Listener Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. Tom Tilley with you, joined by Katrina Blowers. And Katrina, today you're doing an interview about a retro trend that's making a comeback and not in a good way. Yeah, so this isn't like fondue or polyester (laughs) safari suits or something that maybe isn't so great but is a little bit funny. This is about tanning, lying out in the sun, intentionally baking yourself and the companies that are selling pro tanning products using influencers on social media. But the weird twist is that because of a change to Australian laws, companies promoting sunscreens that actually protect our skin don't get the same marketing opportunities. So I'm going to be talking to a couple of people in this space. One woman who's starting a petition that's got thousands of signatures to get the Australian government to change the law. It's very fascinating. Mm, All right, that's our briefing topic right after today's headlines. It's Monday, February 13. 19,000 refugees are going to become permanent residents after years in limbo. So these refugees who've been in Australia since before Operation Sovereign Borders began in 2013, which is a very long time, can now apply for a resolution of status visa. The new visa will have the same rights and benefits as all other permanent residents and they can apply to become citizens once they meet the necessary requirements. The government has said it's still committed to operating sovereign borders and warned people against attempting to come to Australia by boat. So a bit of a caveat there, but I guess that's Mm. something in the climate that they they had to say, I suppose. Yeah. Well, so this new visa comes in place of the old temporary protection visa, which is what kept them in limbo. And the coalition is out saying, um, courtesy of their shadow Home Affairs Minister, Karen Andrews, that this removes the third pillar of Operation Sovereign Borders. Um, So they're warning us this could unleash a wave of boat arrivals, but I don't think that's likely. I do think that's a fairly predictable scare campaign because we still have the turn back policy and the offshore processing. They've just changed the visa um, that people will apply for when they are here. So I I don't think we're going to see a big influx of boats, but I do think we'll hear an influx of fear mongering about that Mm. from the coalition. Absolutely. And the death toll from the Turkish earthquake is now at 33,000 and it's still going upwards. It could even double. Rescuers are still pulling survivors from the rubble seven days on. And Turkish officials have detained and issued arrest warrants for more than 130 people allegedly involved in the construction of dodgy buildings that collapsed. Yeah, a lot going on over there. But the good news is the crack team of Aussies who are going to be doing search and rescue and providing medical support, they should be on the ground today being able to provide assistance. So we do have extra pairs of helping hands. I cannot believe that they are still pulling out people alive. Yeah, I know that the word miracle is used a lot in these situations, but for people to be getting pulled out alive six, seven days later is crazy in the most extraordinary way. Good news on power bills. The government has released new figures showing its intervention to cap gas and coal prices is working. 
Treasury has compared the data of wholesale electricity prices this month with before their price cap, and it shows retailers are paying 30 to 50% less. And along with the caps, coal-fired power stations are now back online. There had been some disruptions there because of maintenance and flooding, so that too should help boost supply and therefore ease prices. I guess, Tom, there's no word yet on when those lower wholesale prices will mm. flow through to our power bills. I know it's going to be a bit of a colder day in Melbourne today, 19 degrees, but it has been like 36 degrees in Brisbane for quite some time now. My air conditioner is running on overdrive. Yeah, so the government will be keen to talk this up because, you know, the main issue everyone's living with at the moment is the cost of living pressures and inflation. So if there are ways that they can save us money without stoking further inflation, that's something that they'll be wanting wanting to tell us about. And a third flying object has been shot down over North America. It appears to be a cylindrical object and we are working to analyse the debris. So that's Anita Anand, the Canadian Minister for National Defence. The Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, tweeted that he ordered for the object to be taken down. Four jets were involved. Um, It's after another object was shot down on Friday over Alaska. And then, of course, uh, just over a week ago, we had the Chinese surveillance balloon shot down over the United States. And for the first time ever, two Aussies are set to play on the same team in the Super Bowl later this morning. Aaron Sippus and Jordan Malata will play for the Philadelphia Eagles when they take on the Kansas City Chiefs in America's biggest sporting event of the year. And here's Jordan Malata explaining his pre-game routine. I've got to eat the same breakfast, sit on the same bus, sit on the left-hand side of the bus, listen to the same music, I listen to the same song over and over again. Yeah, very superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds exhausting. Because <laughs> sure. imagine if one little thing didn't go right, you'd be stressing oh, yeah. out before the game even began. I'm sure there's some detail on, on his undies he left out as well. <laughs> I think it goes all the way down to the skin, um, those routines they have. Um, so the, the other bloke, Sipos, um, yeah, he's had a lucky break. He had an ankle injury in December and he's made a comeback, so that's awesome. Um, Rihanna will play in the halftime show. Interesting background for these two Aussies. So Sipos played AFL and Malada was from a rugby league background. Yeah, Malata is a huge guy, though, and is already gaining a very big following in the US. You mentioned Rihanna playing there, uh, the, the halftime entertainment. Did you know that they don't get paid for that? I didn't even know this. So Justin yeah. Timberlake, other stars, it's seen as being a great opportunity for them to gain exposure to a massive audience in the order of like 190 million people. Every single person who's done it, their record sales have spiked mm. afterwards. But The weekend, he even paid $7 million of his own money so that he could put on that show when he played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you want to make a bang, and I'm sure he made the money back pretty quickly in record sales. I guess um, this would um, give us more hope that Rihanna's going to have a new album coming out very soon because she hasn't released one since 2016, so look out for that. All right, so good to have you back, Tom. In just a sec, we're going to be talking about this weird pro-tanning trend and the laws that prohibit sunscreens from marketing themselves on social media. (laughs) 
Now to our briefing topic on the worrying trend that's gaining momentum on social media. It's the rise of pro-tanning culture and the marketing of tanning accelerants. And to make matters worse, the Therapeutic Goods Administration recently changed their ad code, meaning influencers can't be paid to promote sunscreens, but they are freely able to promote sun tanning products with oils and peptides. And those actually accelerate the harmful effects of the sun. So influencers are posting their tan lines and beach selfies with sunburn and peeling skin. And this comes against a backdrop where the last time the federal government stumped up cash for a sun safety health campaign was a small update about eight years ago to this one. Oh my goodness, doesn't that sound antiquated? Uh, we're going to be speaking with Melissa Mason, who started a petition to ban tanning product advertising in Australia, and then to Samantha Brett, who's the founder of Naked Sunday's Sunscreen. We're going to check in with her about the TGA's new code. But first to Melissa, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing. How did we get here? How did sun tanning culture become a thing again? I know, right? Um, look... I don't think it ever went away. I think what's happened is that as like I'm a millennial, um, I'm in my mid thirties. And so I remember suntanning being a culture when I was in my late teens and my early twenties. And as I got older, I saw sun safety, you know, talking about sunscreen and sunscreen becoming a, I suppose, more of a trendy product than it was when I was younger. I saw that taking hold and I thought, oh, great. We've like moved on from needing to lie out in the sun. We've got the most advanced fake tanning offering we've ever had and and sunscreen's cool again. And then I went on to um, social media, just looking into a story that I wrote and realized that actually the generation below, so Gen Z is doing the same thing that we did. So tell us a little bit about when you went on social media and you typed in tanning, what you found. So what I found was quite a few sponsored posts for tan accelerants. So they're products that you put onto your skin when you go to lie out in UV rays, um, whether that be in front of the sun or in a sunbed, which even though they're banned commercially in Australia, they still exist. People own them. Um, and you'll see these brands that have tan accelerants that you'll see them referencing sunbeds in where you can use the product. So this product doesn't work unless you are in UV. And I was seeing a lot of sponsored content around those products from influencers. I was also seeing other people of influence putting up videos that were sort of encouraging people to tan by giving them a structured way to tan. So it was essentially just a lot of photos of influencers who were, you know, lying out in the sun and and kind of specifically talking about tanning or even showing off tan lines. Uh, and that led me down a sort of rabbit hole into looking at, okay, well, this is interesting that we have a bunch of, and these are big influences. Like I think combined reach was about 1.4 million of these influences in terms of their following. So these, this is not like a small, like someone who has a very niche audience posting about tanning. These are people that are very influential. They're very well loved by, particularly by young women, and I honestly am less concerned with what they're doing in their own time and more with the fact that I think when you have a following that is quite significant and quite engaged on social media, there should be a more of a responsibility 
and and I guess being held to account for what you post and the impact that it will have. And yet there are regulations around sun protection products. This seems like a super weird anomaly. Yeah. And this is where like I started a petition um, because I was so frustrated in particular about that. What really frustrated me was that I have seen, you know, the TGA has put restrictions on sunscreens in terms of how we can market and advertise them. And I'm not against that. I understand why that happened because the TGA had obviously seen there was a big rise in social media influence and in social media advertising and marketing. And because they consider that product to be a therapeutic good, you know, they're like, we need to put some parameters around this before things could get out of hand right? Where I think the gap has been created is that a tan accelerant is not a therapeutic good or they don't consider it to be one. So there are no parameters or restrictions around it. They're free to advertise how they please. But the problem is a tan accelerant cannot work without you lying in the in the UV rays. And not necessarily that you would have to have overexposure to UV, but if you're trying to cultivate a tan and you're trying to tan your body, we know from very old sun safety advertising that is now, I think it's 18 years old, the um, tanning is skin cells in trauma ads that we grew up with, that any tan is a sign of your cells in trauma. So it's not just the tan accelerants. Now, I also really think we need a new confronting sun safety campaign for the next generation that runs on social media. Because if you're thinking about us having the last scary sun campaign was like 18 years ago. And then the most recent iteration was like, I think 2021, 2022. And it was an update of slip slop slap to include seek and slide, which is seek shade and slide on some sunglasses. All of that is great. But if we're seeing the rise of tanning culture happening on social media, I think there needs to be a social media first tanning campaign that is scary because it is a really scary thing. Skin cancer is terrifying. 95% of melanomas are caused by overexposure to UV. So this is really directly linked to worrying cases of skin cancer in this country. Now let's go to Samantha Brett, a former TV reporter who is the creator of Naked Sundays, now rated the number one sunscreen in Australia. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Since you launched, there has been a massive change in the TGA advertising code, which has a huge impact on sunscreen. Tell us a little bit about that and how it's impacted you. Yes, it was a bit of a shock when the TGA came out with new rules around advertising um, listed products on the TGA and sunscreen is a listed product. Now, that is a good thing. The fact that sunscreen has to be listed on the TGA, I love. It means that you have to have the proper testing. The ingredients have to be approved by the TGA and then your product has to be listed and it has to go through quite a rigorous process to get listed and you have to vet every ingredient and you have to vet every test and you have to make sure every batch of every product does what it says. Every label on the product does what it says. And so I love that. Uh, And that's really important when it comes to sunscreen, because as we know, it's such a simple thing, but it really can save lives. And so the fact that TGA then came out and put a restriction on who can post on social media about sunscreen and what they can say was just sort of a kick in the gut. It was just, it felt, 
you know, we've done all this work to get this 20 to 39-year-old age bracket that the Melanoma Institute itself says is most at risk. We've done so much work to get them to start loving sharing their sunscreen journey on social media with hashtags like SBF every day and SBF challenge trending and suddenly stop no one can post about it. Well, that's at least how it felt. So the TGA said that you cannot post about a listed product unless you have proper warnings, unless you don't say your opinion about it. And I guess these rules really were put into place for the vitamin industry. Now, I understand the vitamin industry, we don't want people saying this vitamin cured my disease or this vitamin saved my life or what, you know, that's false. And people, influencers are being paid to say those kind of things. When it comes to sunscreen, how wrong can the influencer go? Hey, I love my sunscreen. I don't feel like there can be any negative connotations associated with anyone posting anything about sunscreen, whether they like it, hate it, like the smell, hate the smell, enjoy wearing it, like it with makeup, don't like with makeup. Everything that they anyone posts on social media hitting this age bracket of 20 to 39 is a positive thing. And I personally have been rallying the TGA to take sunscreen out of that list in the advertising and allow anyone to say anything about sunscreen that they want. It is the opposite of harmful to say things about sunscreen on social. How's your campaign going? <laughs> um, <laughs> well... It's going. I've written to the TGA. I've written to the health minister. I've got replies. And I think the replies have been constructive in the sense that I've said, you cannot prevent influencers from talking about sunscreen. It's a good thing. And the replies from the minister and the TGA have said, we are not preventing them from talking about sunscreen. We are just preventing them from making up stuff about sunscreen, like sunscreen cures all cancer. Sunscreen can prevent skin cancer. They want us to say every, and they want every influencer to say every time, wear your sunscreen. They want us to say, but sunscreen is only one form of sun protection and you should also wear your hat and cover up. So I'm not against that. But the, the only problem I am against is that you have a whole raft of young people who were loving posting about their sunscreen. Hey guys, I'm on a boat, I'm spraying my sunscreen, to now being nervous about that and not knowing what the rules are. So the problem was that the rules were vague. They weren't clear. Who can say what, when, how, why, am I paid, am I not paid? Coming on the show this morning, both of us were like, well, we bought our own sunscreen. Can we talk about it? Can we not talk about it? It's just vague. And so it just makes people not want to engage in that conversation that we have worked so hard to change the narrative around. I just think it's not fair. And to me, as well as not being fair, it seems crazy that on the one hand, you can't post about a product that has incredible proven health benefits, yet I'm seeing all these influencers financially benefiting from posting pro-tanning products. That must, I don't even know how that must make you feel. Yes, it is absolutely shocking. But I think the great thing is, is I've started to see this real swell on social that when people are posting about tanning and pro-tanning products and tanning pills and things that promote unsafe tanning, there's a swell. I've noticed my, my feed, and maybe it's just my feed, is filled with people saying, this is completely wrong. How dare they do this? Do not glamorize tanning. And so they're being called out about it now. I think the conversation over the last six months has changed. The rules came in and people thought, well, hang on a second. They can talk about tanning, but they can't talk about sunscreen. And so I think it, the conversation is shifting. And I think 
it is moving towards being frowned upon. And I think influencers uh, will wisen up because they'll lose followers. And I think they'll wisen up instead of taking the money. They'll say, you know what? That doesn't fit in with my beliefs and my values. Well, let's hope that they'll say that. (laughs) Let's hope. That was Samantha Brett, the founder of Naked Sunday's Sunscreen. And if you want to jump on and sign Melissa's petition, which we talked about earlier, it's got over 5,000 signatures on it now. You can head to her Instagram. It is Melissa Mason underscore, and there's a change.org link that you can click on and sign away. And hopefully that'll make a little bit of a difference. That's it from us today. I hope you enjoy the Super Bowl or whatever your plans are for today. On tomorrow's show, we're going to be speaking to Australia's leading social scientists on why you click with some people and clash with others. Listener.